Welcome back to the podcast for Sunday, April 2nd, known as both Palm and Passion Sunday, in that we join together for another hard week, hard conversation, um, but we do that because we don't want to bypass the hard yet beautiful and imperfect things of life. We want to create real intentional conversation um, and space for these. So wherever you are coming into this week, I just invite you um, to do whatever you need to do today, whether that's to take it easy um, or to dive in or to allow some of the emotions to come to the surface. There's been a lot that has happened this week um, and all all of what you're feeling is welcome here. Um, I hope that um, somewhere within this space of this podcast, um, there will be something that will be helpful um, as we try to put together the pieces. And that first song that you heard is by probably one of my favorite artists, um, both right now and has been for a while. Uh, They're called Penny and Sparrow. And I chose the live version of the song uh, titled A Kind of Hunger um, for several reasons. One, the style. Two, I think that the raw energy of live music is much more closely related to the energy of protests, our own raw emotions of frustration and grief, as time and time again, tragedy after tragedy is happening all around us. And so as we move through this podcast, I want to think of it as one full song with several movements. And Holy Week is a kind of choreography um, or melody with these distinct movements that unfold over time, right? We're moving from Hosanna in the highest for Palm Sunday to take, eat, this is my body, to let this cut pass from me, um, to let him be crucified, to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'll circle back to the song later, but for now, let's jump into the text as I attempt to explore kind of a common thread through the narratives of Palm and Passion Sunday. Um, In the lectionary, we're given two options of kind of how to run this service, either using Palm Sunday or the story of Jesus's crucifixion. 
And if you grew up around Christianity or have attended Palm Sunday services in the past, you've probably heard the story countless times. Um, but I invite you to suspend judgment, suspend prior associations with the text, um, and try to enter into it, experiencing it in a new way. Um, I won't necessarily be sharing anything that I haven't yet in past years, um, but that's why our services culminate in conversation, right? So we can expand. And so I'll read and talk first about Palm Sunday and then get a little bit into the space of talking about um, Passion Sunday uh, before we close and enter into space of conversation later. So the first text comes from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave two disciples a task. He said, go to them, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter, you'll find a donkey tied up and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that their master needs them. And he sent them off right away. Now this happened to fulfill what the prophet said. Say to daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the donkey's offspring. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had ordered them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. Then he sat on them. Now a large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others cut palm branches off the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds in front of him and behind him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? They asked. The crowds answered, it's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of Lord. So typically, right, this portrait of Palm Sunday has been painted as an extremely joyful, nice, palm-waving afternoon with no political context. But if you've been around Mission Hills for a bit, we have spent quite a lot of time exploring how Palm Sunday is actually a protest, an act of nonviolent resistance, and an intentional prelude to the cross. This week of Passover was already an important event in Jewish tradition, but this week, um, this celebration and remembrance of the Jewish journey into freedom from slavery under Pharaoh would have seen a um, time of political unrest as Jews recognized their current status of oppression under the Roman state. So this week, or this day, in Jerusalem would have seen two processions on opposite sides of the city. One, a procession for Caesar, covered in glittering acknowledgement of empirical, imperial power. And then the other is Jesus riding on a donkey's colt and the shirts off the disciples' backs. There's an obvious distinct difference between what Jesus represented and the power that be. This, along with the rest of Jesus' ministry, gets him killed. And I think there's an often forgotten or overlooked player in this story, the earth. While we are incredibly aware of the palms waving and the donkey being ridden, almost always both the plants and animals present are framed as tools being used by humans, which is consistent with a dominion-minded approach to the natural world. But Jesus often frames the natural world as having a voice of its own, saying things like, even the stones will cry out. 
And I'd be interested in exploring how we might imagine an ethical approach to the use of natural elements in protests, how the earth might speak for its own liberation as part of the liberating movement of Jesus. Jesus proclaims throughout his ministry, right, that traditions such as sacrificing animals is no longer necessary to please God. And as we think about protests, even in our own practice, especially in light of things happening now, how are we ethically inviting the use of the natural world to move towards liberation? Palm branches were used here um, to evoke the celebratory feast of booths um, that worshipers would have uh, processed around the temple altar, rejoicing by waving branches. And we also see that Jesus wanted two animals, a donkey with her little colt beside her, and that Jesus rides them in the sense of having them both as part of his demonstration's highly visible symbolism. So Jesus doesn't ride a stallion or a mare, a mule or a male donkey, um, not even just a female donkey. He rides the most unmilitary mount imaginable, a female nursing donkey with her colt trotting beside her. For me, um, this invokes James Cone's liberation theology, right? the image of the god of the oppressed. And there is simultaneously this tension between what Jesus was representing on Palm Sunday against the backdrop of the Roman state, Caesar's procession. And there's also a tension between the jubilant protest of Palm Sunday and then the more somber Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows, and this overall narrative that the one betrayed and deserted in the passion is also the one that had been hailed the long-awaited divine. There's this emotional whiplash, the descent from Hosanna to crucify him. The soldiers, um, so then I'll, I'll read from this next part in Matthew 27, um, the next part of our story. The soldiers assigned to the governor took Jesus into the governor's palace and got the entire brigade together for some fun. They stripped him and dressed him in red robe. They plaited a crown from branches of a thorn bush and set it on his head. They put a stick in his right hand for a scepter. They knelt before him in mocking reverence. Bravo, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and hit him on the head with the stick. When they'd had their fun, they took off the robe and put his own clothes back on him. Then they proceeded out to the crucifixion. Along the way, they came on a man from Cyrene named Simon and made him carry Jesus' cross. Arriving at Golgotha, the place they call Skull Hill, They offered him a mild painkiller, a mixture of wine and myrrh, but when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. After they had finished nailing him to the cross and were waiting for him to die, they killed time by throwing dice for his clothes. Above his head, they had posted the criminal charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one to the right, the other to his left. People passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads in mock lament. You bragged that you could tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. 
the high priest, along with other religious scholars and leaders, were right there mixing it up with the rest of them. Having a great time poking fun at him, he saved others, but he can't save himself. King of Israel is he, then let him get down from that cross. We'll all become believers then. He was so sure of God. We'll let him rescue his son now, if he wants him. He did claim to be God's son, didn't he? Even the two criminals crucified next to him join in the mockery. From noon to three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said, He's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge soaked in sour wine and lifted it on a stick so he could drink. The others joked, don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. But Jesus again, crying out loudly, breathed his last. At that moment, the temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. There's an earthquake and rocks were split in pieces. What's more, tombs were opened up and many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised. The captain of the guard and those with him, when they saw the earthquake and everything else that was happening, were scared to death, and they said, this has to be the Son of God. So there are a few ways in which we see the natural world in this way being utilized and taken advantage of in the process of Jesus' death. The object of the cross, the hanging tree, the crown of thorns from the thorn bush, And while we ask the question in light of Palm Sunday, how we can ethically utilize the earth and allow its voice to come through, we see the opposite in the way of the cross. We bring back to mind um, the role of the earth on this palm in Passion Sunday. It invites us to remember a few things as we pursue justice for all, including the earth. The ways in which White supremacy and capitalism create widespread of impacts to our environment and our indigenous communities. We recognize the intersections between the impacts on indigenous peoples and natural ecosystems. We challenge ourselves as partners of the plant world to work for the well-being of all life. We acknowledge the ways in which racism, uh, privilege, sexism, classism, colonization, um, homophobia and transphobia and all other forms of oppression impacts the health and well-being of individuals and larger communities. Jesus included the earth in his ministry and his liberation, and in that is an invitation for us to do the same. Jesus knew that with every time he publicly decried against the Roman government, every act of protest was leading him towards the cross and his death sanctioned by the state. He knew that his death came with a set of reasons, whether you focus on the spiritual or the political or both. And in that, I promise you, uh, I'd circle back to my good friends, Penny and Sparrow. Um, That song that opened called A Kind of Hunger. I'll close with another one called Smitten. Perhaps my work predisposes me to enjoy music that has heavy symbolism, smart lyrics. Um, What I love about Penny and Sparrow is that they use a lot of deconstructed Christian language and parables in their songs, 
and perspectives while also diving deep into the space of grief, death, loss, and change. In the opening song, one of the lines says that death is a kind of hunger. And Jesus' death was surrounded by several types of hunger, per se. Right? A hunger for justice, or a hunger for scapegoat, a hunger for change, a hunger for any other option. And at the same time, the lyrics also say that I never lost you. I'll post a link for the full song. Um, but I close in saying, not in spite of, but in the midst of this pain. Jesus lived into some of the most raw acts of solidarity within his ministry. And I think that brings me comfort in the midst of what we see and hear that the divine is here with us and the plants waving and crying out for justice, the animals bravely participating in an act of resistance, people risking their lives for the liberation of others and hope in the midst of suffering that says that this is not all there is. I think it is just as brave, though, to sit in the pain of this chorus or this bridge of Jesus's death and the cross. So Hosanna for us and for them wasn't just a joyous bypassing shout. Um, it was a cry that asked to save now. So may we not just shout for thoughts and prayers, but for action that pursues liberation as love pursues us. May we allow ourselves to descend and exist in the depth of our emotion when the sting of death still hits us. We don't have to avoid grief. In fact, it's what makes the process holy. We can simultaneously say there is never enough time and that we don't want the ones that we love to suffer. We can scream that we want to be saved from everything around us while still accepting our reality as it is right now, and that is so far from our hope for belonging. Our palms become the ashes we will use for Ash Wednesday, and there's something to be said about returning to these patterns, that we return even as our essence might dwindle to dust. It's not a pretty process, <laughs> but neither is grief. Jesus himself moved through every stage in his anticipatory grief. And if he can, we've got to allow ourselves the same space at some point. There is no rushing to healing. There is no need to get over it. It is okay to ask, why us, why them? And in all of those things, I hope that we know that what we're left with is that we still have those we love, we still have those we've lost, even as things might change. We also have each other in this space of really uncomfortable vulnerability as we consider things like death and grief and loss and change. It's not easy to go through these conversations or these texts because um, they are very real when you give them the space um, to be, that they're not going to be something that we just cross over. So I'll, I'll close with um, 
another song from from Penny and Sparrow. Um, I'm going to post a few other things uh, this weekend, just again to give ourselves space for prayer, meditation, um, for rest, for frustration, whatever it is that you need to feel um, as we move through what's happening all around us. Just know that you are loved, um, you are seen, all of you is welcome here. With that, we love you. Um, please let us know if you need anything um, as we approach this week. May we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen. When my skin is done or my sickness fills the air In my silent final prayer My heart is yours if your body creeps If your broken bones are feet